Hey Coconuts! Welcome to another weekly episode where we scout the net to find worthy financial news for you. This week, earnings seasons has ended, but we have three stories to take a back seat, reflect, and really focus on some sort of strategy. So the first story is whether a new bull market has started. Technically, 20% increase is a bull market, but does it actually mean a bull market like we all know? We dissect that through the S&P. Next, a bit of a banter between Anthony and I on Netflix crackdown on sharing passwords. Is this a good thing for shareholders? Is this a bad thing for Netflix? How's the content going? We talk about that all together with a little bit of a rant. <laughs> Hopefully you like that one. And last but not least, should we actually invest into China? It's got a weak recovery, turning off foreign investors because they could make more money in the US market. So we're going to dissect that a little more and talk whether we should actually go into the market in China. All this and more on this episode. So let's get to it. Hello, Coconuts. Welcome to another weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. And Anthony. And we are, well, we are at the end of earnings season, I think. Uh, I think for mm. the first time in a few months, we don't actually have much earnings to talk about, which is, uh, I'm, I'm always a bit, you know, it makes feelings about this because, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's always a bit tough, but, you know, it's, it's good to talk about other things, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is. I think maybe we can take a step back from all the, you know, gem, gem, gem. Like, we were literally every week we had some sort of earnings, right? Yeah, and, and like all, all the numbers and all that and just, you mm. know, maybe focus a bit more on strategy and a bit more on, like, kind of interesting things that, you know, are happening that deal with the business and not necessarily, you know, just numbers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it might even help us uh, with predicting and, and, and sort of figuring out which one to go for before. Fundamental and analysis, now. right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. And for that, actually, that's a good segue into the three topics we're going to be speaking about. Number one, has the bull market started, right, in the US? And we're going to talk a little bit about that with regards to Wall Street. Right? Is it is it definitely going up? What's what's really meaning all of that? We're moving on to our second topic, which is Netflix. Less on the earnings call, more on the cracking down of password sharing, as they call it. Lah, we're gonna yep. definitely dive down. I'm sure most of our coconuts here have been affected. If not, oh my god, I, I, I have a rant for that. <laughs> oh my god, I have a rant for that. <laughs> okay, it's and bloody terrible. And number three is. China's weak recovery, is it turning off investors, right? And where are they putting their money if they're not going into China? So three pretty interesting topics. We're going to kick things off with number one. Anthony, bull market started already. Uh, well, I mean, you know, um, it really, really depends on how you define it, right? But may maybe just the, the, the interesting bits, um, you know, typically people call a bear market 20% of the highs and a bull market 20% of the lows. Right, so right. just by that, you know, very basic threshold. Yeah, we we're, we're we're very broad yeah, <laughs> definition. Uh, super super broad definition. That's like a clear red line. You know, no nuance, nothing. Twenty percent up means bull. <laughs> yes, we are in a bull market, right? Um, we are more than twenty percent up from the closing low of twelve October. Um, on the S and P, hmm. and for the Nasdaq, we are we are way past that. We are like thirty something percent now. Right, so but but S and P is broad market, you know. So yeah, yeah. we tell S and P. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we are in a um bull market technically, you know. But this is not really a you know scientific definition by any way it means right. It's just 
20% down is bear, 20% up is bull. That's all. Right. Okay. We did see some sort of a rally last year as well. And then there was a dip immediately after that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, last year we had a few rallies, which we very nicely called bear market rallies instead of new bull markets, um, partially <laughs> because they didn't hit 20%. So I think the biggest one was June mm. to September last year. It was like 15 plus percent. Interestingly, the, the rally topped out at about this, you know, 4,200 plus, 4,300 level at the S&P um, so and then it and then there was some news nobody remembers what now because it's just news and then it went back down all the way to hit the October lows very quickly right within like a month it went down 20% something right. like that so so that was June, September, October um, you know typically in every cycle like there, there's overarching teams right there's a general trend where it's a bull or a bear and you know counter cyclical trends within that larger trend is called well, in this case, bear market rally. So I guess the, the immediate question now is whether this rally is a bear market rally or is it just you know, the rally that starts the new bull market? Yeah, the, the starts the new yeah. long-term bull market. And actually, we're now sitting at what, 4.3, right? At the S&P? 4,300 around that range so. as well. I, I, I haven't actually managed to open my tiger today. Right. Yeah, we have 4,310. <laughs> Despite you go, the market right? opening Just... and, you know, um, this shows how busy I've been. <laughs> I haven't actually opened my tiger today. Yeah, yeah we have 4,310. So, you know, very close to, actually, you know, slightly above last the, the, the last high in September, if I'm not wrong. Oh, no, slightly mm. below. The last high was 4325. So we are just below that. Got it. But I mean, take us through, right? I mean, obviously the index would go up and most of the, the bigger players are the ones actually driving this index up, like Apple, yep. for example, and, and a few other companies. Um, has we, have we seen this across the board with regards to, you know, all the companies actually going up by 15, 20% or is there some sort of a skew in, in the matter? There is quite clearly a skew um, of this 20 odd percent. I think the top seven account for like 15% of the returns. Um, oh, wow. So, so but these like, are yeah, what, three quarters what? of the 20%, right? 15% of the index. So, so these are like your, your Apple, Nvidia, you know, Microsoft, mm. the other A, can't remember what it is <laughs> offhand. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I mean, the, the, the broad idea is that of the 500, you know, that make up S&P, vast, vast majority of the positive returns this year have been driven by the, the big tech stocks, right? And Isn't the other A alphabet, by the way? Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> just slow today <laughs> right um, that, that's on me <laughs> um, yeah so so you know I, I can't remember acronyms now um, but you know I mean that, that's besides the point right so you, you kind of have this seven stocks driving vast majority yeah. of the returns and you have the other 493 which is a bloody lot of companies just kind of mm-hmm. treading water and maybe being a bit positive right so mm. you know I mean and, and that begs the question, right? Like, how do you determine or, or what is a, a long-term bull market trend? And you would think quite intuitively that a long-term bull market trend is when all the companies broadly participate, right? Because it's, you know, Absolutely. a positive economy, the, the economy is booming, everybody's very happy. So we, we are, you know, past the worst. And, and that is when the, the long-term bull starts. So if, if that is going to be a, a necessary condition for a long-term bull, then, well, this isn't it, like. I mean, it could possibly still become it, right? We really need to see that proven out before we can actually make that statement, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, with regards to the tech companies as well, didn't like half of them lay off, which then reduced their bottom line and then now having the same sort of revenue. So therefore, they said, okay, lay off. And then usually from a layoff, they will see a spike in terms of, of stock growth as well, right? That, that's by the way, right? And 
as sad as Leos being by the by is. So I, I think that that's one of those cases in this situation where, you know, it's really it really was a cost cutting exercise to get to higher profitability, right? Whether it was a justified and necessary cost cutting because people overhired, or whether in some cases it was really just opportunistic. I just want to fire people and, and make more profit and squeeze my labor force harder, right? Even though I'm super profitable, um, like Microsoft. I know I say one, huh? I say one, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, you know, so so I think either way, you know, we. we and especially this past earnings season, we actually mm. saw earnings do well, right? I think the majority yeah. of companies actually beat expectations. Um, slightly yes. lower expectations because everybody expects recession or whatever, but you know, they, they beat expectations. They are performing on a company level better than expected, right? So in a sense, uh, the index going up isn't necessarily a bad thing. And yeah, it isn't necessarily unexpected. So mm, might, might be good, but we shall see, mm. right? Er- earnings think- have been holding up so well. So far, it, so good. It is, but okay. So this for me is a little bit of a of, of a statement, right? Is it a spin, right? Done done by the companies. Obviously, they would reduce expectations, expectation settings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, since yep. late last year, therefore yeah. they and on top of that, they have been opportunistic or they've pivoted, whichever way companies have said it, um, to then cut your bottom line and then obviously be above expectation with regards yep. to profitability and and earnings per share and so on and so forth. So for me, that seems a little cooked more than the fact that the market is growing or they actually have more demand and so on and so forth. Would you agree? Disagree? But I mean, numbers are numbers, right? So so they managed expectations down, certainly, um, but they are still showing positive growth, right? A vast majority of these companies, um, especially in, in the tech space, were still showing positive growth. It's just that like for things like Snowflake, they last quarter or two quarters back, they adjusted you know, expected growth from 16% to 45%. Right and said, mm. well, we we are kind of reducing growth because we are reducing sales and marketing. We want to, you know, become profitable. So, you know, I mean, sure, they they managed expectations down to forty, and then they slightly beat by getting to forty two percent. You know, so so fine that that's a bit of spin, but at the end of the day, it's still forty two percent, right? It's still growing, kind of sequential. It's still growing year on year. Um, a lot of them are still growing sequentially from last quarter. So, you know, that I mean, think back to six months ago, we were all kind of thinking of a third quarter, fourth quarter recession, this is not supposed to happen, right? Yeah. If if the recession really was coming, you should see growth slow down by quite a bit more. So, you know, mm. it, it is still, I mean, notwithstanding any spin, it's still kind of a positive thing, I would say. Got it. And I guess where I'm coming at, I mean, being the front line in, in a company as well, the, the sentiments I'm getting is the fact that everybody's still very cautious. They still don't want to spend, right? They Like every company that I'm speaking to, including my own, is very cautious on the every dollar that they spend. So even though they have had all of this, they're still very, very cautious of something that could yep. happen in the near future. Now, as coconuts, we are looking to invest. And if you're hearing this on this side, how would you say is a good idea or is a good thinking methodology on should we invest because we think there's a bull coming in? Or should we wait and see, right? Uh, without feeling some sort of a FOMO. If it asks me, right, I'll always ask you to just invest. <laughs> Just buy. Up, down, don't care. Just buy, right? I mean, that, that's been kind of the, the prevailing sentiment you know, for the last 18 months we've been doing this. Down, that mm. might means you can buy more. Up means good momentum. We buy again, right? I, I am supremely optimistic about markets, which is why you, you sh- I always think you should buy. But I mean, and, and I think that kind of 
you know leads back to I mean, but you know, leave, leaving that aside, you you kind of have to think about well where the market is now, right? And you know, you you talked a bit about well, there's a lot of uncertainty in business planning and all that. I think I think everybody kind of agrees with that. People still think a recession will happen. Um, we are not out of the woods yet. Because mm. the the Fed has hiked and hiked and hiked and nothing has broken, you know. Traditionally, inflation hasn't really come down unless there's been a recession that's been induced. So you know, has a recession happened? I mean, there was a technical recession last year. Um, nobody yes. serious actually thinks there was a recession. So no, right? Yeah. We we still see a really strong, even if slightly weakening labor market. You know, yep. there there has been some bank crisis, but but that has been quite self-contained um, because of liquidity issues. So, mm. you know, at the end of the day, things are breaking at the ages. The, the actual economy hasn't broken that much. So there, there is room to go, right? And I think that is kind of the central thesis that supports the a recession coming up and a bit of a conservative view, you know, in, in the next six months to a year. But that being said, mm. equity markets still going up, right? And, and I think that there's a bit of a exactly. divergence there. Because it used to be maybe a month or two back, you could see equity markets going up and bond markets kind of saying, yeah, there, there's going to be rate cuts by the end of this year because the Fed have induced a recession and you know, cut rates and you know we are near the end. Um, mm. That, I mean, from the Fed rhetoric over the past few weeks, that, that has actually mm. reversed, right? The, the expectation for cuts has actually been removed and now the best to hope for is a pause and, and maybe even an increase in the next round, if not this round. Right, yeah. so you yeah. know that there is now again a bit of a divergence between what the bond markets are seeing, where is which is more tightening, right, and mm. what the equity markets are saying, which is you know um, there should be a soft landing, but and therefore we can still go up, right. So so and because of that divergence, you know, I would still say be cautious, but being cautious doesn't mean you sell everything and you go to hundred percent cash, right? Being cautious still <laughs> at most means oh yeah. This month, I suppose to DCA, I lazy a bit. I, I wait for next month or next quarter. I hold a bit more cash. Or I DCA only half. You know, that, that sort of thing, right? So you should... So FOMO, of course, there's FOMO. I mean, do you have FOMO for not buying NVIDIA? Of course. <laughs> I, I, I have FOMO I bought for NFC. not buying in January. Yeah, and, and I, I have FOMO. I, I bought it and I still have FOMO for not buying enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, of, of course, you know, once there's more... Once there's momentum, that there's FOBO and that leads to more moment, momentum, right? But you know, yeah. you kind of always have to be able to you know, take a breath, take a step back. Well, the markets do look a bit, you know, overpriced, I a see. bit overbought. Mm. Then maybe I want to, you know, be a bit tactical, right? I hold a bit more cash for now. I, I don't DCA as quickly the next round. I, I time the market a bit, right? A bit, not a lot, because you don't, because you're never 100% certain, right? So and you never you, time the market. Right? We're not movers. <laughs> or, or, you, or you time the market, but you don't time it with 100% of portfolio, right? Because like that's kind of insane. Unless your portfolio is $2,000, then fine, go ahead. Um, You should time the market with, with actually no, you shouldn't be in the market. You should just like buy options. But you know, yes. then that is the, but that's the way to think about it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Um, and I presume as a plug here, these are some things that you will teach in your course. Uh, yes and no. So, I mean, I don't think we will teach technical analysis because it's still largely bullcrap. Um, but of course, you know, we, we teach quite, we'll teach quite a bit about like portfolio construction, how to manage your risk and all of that. And part of that approach necessarily is a bit of market timing. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome, folks. So if you feel FOMO, you know what to do. Lah. Yeah, bye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, buy, buy the correct things, right? But, you know, buy. Awesome. I'm actually a bit formal. I didn't buy Amazon way back in, uh, I think it was December when it dropped. Yeah. That I one mean, my biggest formal. On that note, Netflix was something that I've kind of wanted to hold for a bit and just mm. never got around to because lazy will log in. And then it went right. up and up and up and then like oh, and it's still okay. going, it's still and going. it's still going and then you, and then <laughs> that's the problem with all these things, right? They go up and then you feel like I shouldn't chase, I shouldn't chase, I shouldn't chase, yeah. and then the time you chase is a time it crashes. Mm, 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 mm. Absolutely. All right, and actually that's a good segue. On that note, we're here I, to I'm talk brilliant at this today. <laughs> Netflix, absolutely. Maybe you know the uh, acronyms are not your thing, but you know the linking yeah. not bad, lah. Linking, linking not bad. Linking not bad. <laughs> Awesome. So Netflix crackdown. Hey, Anthony, you subscribe to Netflix with other people? My wife does. And to, to me, it's not with other people, right? So we sub- okay, so so my story is we subscribe for I think two screens. Um okay. so anybody can can use those two screens. Um but we let my in-laws have the login details as well. I mean they, they stay obviously in a different place. Um so yeah. but to us it feels like hey, you know, we subscribe to two screens, we literally have two people watching it um, mm. either us or my in-laws and then you know we're kind of the same household I mean like we are family right it's yes. not one of those cases where I, I lend to you for example right where you know, we are close like family but no lah not really <laughs> <laughs> hey you don't huh <laughs> but anyway coming back to it that's exactly what it is right and I've I'm I've been sharing with my with my parents and, and all mm. of that as well but lately I've been hit by the crackdown because yep. we live in two different addresses. Yeah. And so um, while I can still technically watch it on my phone, I can't watch it on my telly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's roughly what Netflix has been doing. They sent a message out, uh, was it at the start of the year or, or late last year, if I'm not mistaken? And I think we touched on it in our last earnings call. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been announcing it for a bit. They launched it first, I think, in New Zealand early this mm. year. And then it finally mm. spread to the rest of the world last yes. few weeks. Yeah. And and here's the the I mean obviously Netflix were were going through some issues and they needed to find money somewhere right let's mm. be honest um and and the the statistics that they have come out was shocking for example back then they estimated more than a hundred million households which is about forty three percent of their user base yep. actually share the accounts which means it's money technically they could tap into hundred million households yeah that's insane amount no yeah but I mean look. This is history, right? Because when they first launched and they were trying to get users and they even had a tweet about this, they said, you know, mm. sending love for this Valentine's Day is sharing on Netflix password. So it's, it's something mm. that they actively encouraged six, seven years back, I think. Um, can't remember the exact year, but it is something that they actually encouraged where they wanted to get more users and then now they go, oh, actually, you know what? Wait a minute. Um, we can't. So we, we need more money. We need more <laughs> signups. Therefore, we are, we're going to stop this. Right, I mean, I, I blame the Fed. Um, of course, everything blame the Fed. So, so I blame the yes. Fed. I don't blame Reed Hastings, <laughs> but you know, it's it's terrible. And now they've changed their little slogan, haven't they? Yeah, of course. I mean, they, they I mean, they're, they're trying to crack down on this, right? So, yeah, their they, slogan has changed to share your password with everybody in your household with love. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think of my in-laws as fellow family yeah, and my household. Um, I give them allowance too that, that, <laughs> that includes my, my Netflix, right? So, like, I mean, look, I, I have a lot of sympathy if they said, yeah, you know, like, don't, don't share amongst friends or share only amongst, like, you know, select group of people. But to me, it's like, look, you know, you, you place a limitation on me that I can only watch on two screens. 
right? So that just yep. means that two people can watch at the same time. Um, it, it could be, you know, my wife and I and not my in-laws. It could be my in-laws and my wife and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I still have those two screens, but I use it through one IP address or two IP address. Ah, so what does it change? It doesn't change anything. Y- irrelevant. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, this is to be purely a cash grab. Um, good for shareholders, of which I am unfortunately not one. But, you know, yes. um, bad, bad for users, I would say. Mm. And actually, on that note, let's take you through some of what might cost you if you are sharing um, yeah. with, with other people, your friends, or even yeah. someone in a different household if you're getting um, wet, yep. right? So, sorry, it is so, my privilege. I don't actually know what the amount is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Netflix has said that you can now have people outside your home to use the same account in Netflix. Mm-hmm. So you have the base, which is, I think, 12, 16, 19, and then 21, or whatever it is. Yep. But you have pay an additional 8 USD for an additional fee. And this is in the US, right? I yep. think Singapore is about 7, 7 sing, something along those lines. So Hooray, we're cheaper. <laughs> but 8 USD extra on whatever you have had to have an additional household. Mm. But the number of screens still stay the same. So... If you're doing that, technically, say $21, which is 4K yep. and all of that, it's the highest thing. You have to plus $8 a month to get an additional household. You can have another household on top of that and you pay another $8. So mm. really, you're looking at you know quite quite a lot of money because nowadays, if you think about it, $21 divided by four people, how much is that? Five bucks? Yeah. Yeah, about $5. Plus, an, plus a $7 thing, you're effectively more than doubling your monthly subscription into Netflix, right? Yeah. Clearly, this has been calculated, run many, many... Um, tables and and analysis and and all of that and it has actually paid off so far Mm. so apparently there were over a hundred thousand daily signups end of may 26th and 27th according to to uh, a new source sorry so so this is additional above their normal run rate i don't know so this is including of their normal um run rate but i don't know how much their normal run rates are okay but uh, yeah Correct. I mean, they, they weren't doing that many new ads no, every day. They were not day, doing 100,000. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's still exactly. quite, quite big. Yes. Um, this spike, and as we have seen continue to grow, um, apparently exceeds the COVID-19 lockdowns. When everybody was locked down, everybody was subscribing to Netflix. Um, so we've definitely seen some sort of an inelastic demand where every household needs to have Netflix. Lah. Yeah. And on my side, for example, I have cancelled it because I cannot... <gasps> Pay an additional amount. Yeah, I know. I mean, you guys used to make fun of me. You and uh, Jefferson used to make fun of me as the guy that had all the subscriptions, right? Remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, and I'm like, Back in the nope. day. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, you know what? For like fifteen dollars a month, or fourteen dollars a month, or whatever it is, I have to pay, mm-hmm. or you know, twelve dollars a month. Is it really worth it, or should I get HBO, or should I get Paramount Plus? Now it's put that question into me as well. But clearly, okay. I'm not the norm. Yeah. But as for, I mean, coming back on point. Besides my ranting of why Netflix doubling it, um, as a investor and as coconuts are looking to invest into Netflix, which clearly a bit of FOMO on you and me, um, do you see an avenue here that the next earnings call is going to be amazing? Ah, this is tough, right? So I just googled this literally, um, you know, and I think where Antenna, which is a new source you were referring to, they kind of took the May twenty six and May twenty seven dates because that was the date that. Netflix actually did the crackdown and encouraged everybody to sign up. And, you know, 100K seems like a bit, but as of last quarter, um, you know, Netflix had 74 million 
subscribers in the US and Canada alone. So 100k mm. is like not, not even 1%, right? It's like 0.1%. No, 0.15%, something like that. Mm. So it's it's not a huge amount. I mean, times two because it's Orion, times five. Okay, fine. You might get to 1% somehow, right? But but it's not great subscriber growth, Um, I would say. um, It is definitely incremental. Um, It's incremental on the margin. It's incremental on revenue. But, you know, it's not that big. A driver, I would say, of their revenue for the next quarter, right? So, so one, that's one. Two is you know, I think you and, and maybe this is where we differ, right? You you kind of say, oh yeah, it's it's a bit more expensive. I don't want to pay for this anymore. I I, I look mm. I look at other competition. I went. I think my calculations, well, or my wife's calculation, because I did not even know the price, right? My <laughs> calculations. Oh yeah, it's it's eight bucks a month, right? Um, the the only thing that would stop us is really that there were no new shows coming out that we wanted to watch, and that's yeah. increasingly the case. We are kind of running out of things to watch. In which case, mm. you know, it might be at the time to cancel it for six months or so, switch to something else, and then watch that something else Come for back. six months. Although we have pretty much um, all those other something else's. Yeah, absolutely, right? And that's that's my point. For me, Netflix has been dwindling a little bit with the exception of maybe, you know, Drive to Survive, but even I, I didn't fully like this season. That's because you don't watch K-drama. The season one. Yeah, I don't. I watch reruns of TV shows, which I clearly have in my hard drive. So. Uh, oh. Um, <laughs> or I subscribe to Disney. That is That is effectively where I am. Um, for me personally, and I'm clearly not the norm because, you know, people like for yourself, Anthony, right? That's where we differ. For me, that's, is it worth it for me? As of now, no. But will it get better? Maybe when I have a FOMO that everybody's watching the next, uh, I don't know, what was it? Too Hot to Handle or what's the next K-drama? Kim's Convenience, Squid Game. Yeah. I mean, like that, Netflix are terrible at flagship shows, right? So, so it's just like, mm. it's just kind of, kind of lets to your point of not enough content or not enough good content, right? Because, you mm. know, they, they don't, they haven't really launched something, you know, even along the vein of like Big Bacteria or Modern Family, they, they've tried, but you know, I think that's just not in vogue for TV. They haven't really launched something like, right, LOTR yes. Prime, Succession or you know, HBO Go. So they have like random tempo shows here and there. But, you know, they haven't been great at those uh, for, for the amount of shows that they turn up. So, you know, maybe that's, yeah. that's just the, 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 the kind of problem with the thesis rather than, you know, the, the actual pricing strategy. Yeah. And I think it's that comparison, right? Is the, is the value. Is that really of value to you? And I think maybe the other angle is that, you know, most kids will want it because for all the kids' shows and so on and so forth, so the parents, both bien. Oh and yeah, oh my god. I, I've watched so much. Okay, not, not Coco. I've watched so much like Gabby's Dollhouse and Tayo Tayo. The there you months. go, you see? <laughs> Lifesaver, man, I tell you. <laughs> I cannot yeah. do my kids. Chuck them in front of a TV. So sure good to go. Parenting, you know, excellence here. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, perfect. Model parent. Model, model parent. parent. Model parent. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think that's our little rant on, on Netflix. But we'd love to find out what you think. Do you think it's value for money? Please let us know in the chat. Write to us. Um, but I think, yeah, let's let's see where this goes. If if we do see a lot more people going into Netflix and paying that extra, the next earnings call will be great. Yeah, no. and I, But I mean, that's the problem, right? If it's a one-off boost, it's not, you know, it's not going to be something that continues for the foreseeable future because you can only turn that many people, you know, for this one of, and they'll continue, right? But that's an increase in the growth rate for one quarter, which kind of levels that's off. Um, you know, mm. you're sure you will have that as a base revenue going forward, hopefully. But you know, it, it's I don't think it's going to do anything great. Um, I, if I were a shareholder, I would be very hopeful on their ad 
supported service, which everybody is turning to, right? Like Amazon wants to do that, um, Disney wants to do that, or have already done that. Paramount is kind of already doing that. So you know, I think that is the real revenue driver there, and you know, that's where yeah, people should yeah. focus on. Absolutely awesome. Now from the US to China, no, no segue here. I just came up. No segue lah. <laughs> yeah, no segue lah. Give up. Why? Why? Why got issue? I mean, um, China, plenty of issues. Uh, I mean, lots and lots and lots of issues. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of wanted to talk about this um, because there was a relatively interesting article by this lady called Alicia, who's head of, he's a chief economist of APEC at Netexis, which is quasi-private bank, or they are more private bank than a commercial bank. You know, on, mm. on the FT going, oh yeah, China is just turning off to foreign investors. Which I thought was interesting, and we should get her on the show one day. But you know, I think where it—I I see that snigger. <laughs> but you know, where where it kind of got to that was interesting to me was that you know, sure, we we have talked a bit about China, you know, not having that great a uh, macro recovery, right? We have, have talked, yep. and, and you know, I think that there's this problem here where you know China has—I mean, famously the words of JPM two years ago was considered uninvestable, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. might really seem to be the, the case, increasingly the case for, you know, um, Chinese equities now, um, two years down the road, which is why we kind of, oh yeah, it might be time to revisit this and see if there's anything to it. So I, I guess just, you know, to set the context, I think that there's been a few bad things about China. Right. One is, well, first thing, macro recovery, not great. Um, we, mm. A lot of Western economies have had revenge spending. Um, they are still continuing, right? Not, not even yes, stopped. It's absolutely. still continuing. Um, Chinese, naturally, more more prudent, um, never happened. Uh, <laughs> manufacturing, also not of really course. improving, um, partially because the US and the EU haven't been ordering as much stuff for exports, but partially also because the domestic spending hasn't recovered. Right. Um, despite mm. all this, no real macro stimulus, no real fiscal stimulus. You know, they have been trying to get banks to lower their interest rates to kind of stimulate investment. And they were trying this at the start of the year already, right? Trying to lower the rates and, and so on and so forth to get stuff going. So they had, sorry, um, by no real stimulus, I mean, there, there's nothing that's actually material or substantive. It's all like, you know, I, I took this here, took this there. I, mm. I try to do small things. It's not like the US. Like 50 basis point, you know, decrease, right? <laughs> or a helicopter, yeah. like $2 trillion of money to the whole economy, <laughs> right? Everybody has money to spend. This is like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. The banks, maybe we decrease deposit mm. rates by like 0.25%, right? We, we are not even decreasing our central bank rates. We are just decreasing our what we tell our the commercial rates, banks to yeah. give us deposit rates, right? Which yeah. is another layer back. So you go, oh, no, that, that's terrible. So so the, the market itself is, is kind of, struggling right and then mm. then you look at it and they go well you know if you're talking about foreign investors they they all have access to the u.s um the u.s has gives you four five percent risk-free yield why why would you have to go to china you know um even exactly. if not as we have talked about the u.s markets got FOMO, got momentum uh, very good drivers up why do i want to go to china which well i mean Maybe as of September, October last year, they, they kind of promised growth and then everything that died in like by March, by the time March rolled around, right? So, mm. you know, if you want to speculate a bit, you go to the US. If you want like longer term growth, you go to the US. If you want to look at, you know, backtester performance and say which market grows 
over the long term, you go to the US because it's the only market with that, you know, 50, 60, 70 year of equity market performance, right? So, so yes, from, from all absolutely. of these things, why would you go to China? And then you add on to that, you know, geopolitics and, well, will China invade Taiwan? You know, what, what's going to happen to like offshoring of all these investments? I mean, the Chinese are not helping themselves with like cracking down on BCG and all those random people. It's harder to do business in China as a foreigner. So, if, again, if you're a foreign investor, why do you go there, right? Um, yeah, they might exactly. just take my money away. Yeah, exactly. So so why why would we, right? And we've been talking about the China stocks. We've been talking about them saying it's good value, et cetera, et cetera. We just had it yeah. two weeks ago. So tell us a reason to go to it. I mean, I, I'm kind of struggling, um, to be honest, mm. right? I, I think there's probably two or three ways to look at it. And these are all really medium to long-term you know, reasons, right? So the first is really... That short term, I think we're all quite aware. There's a lot, a lot of there's a lot of headwinds, right? We we need to kind of figure out where the new normal is at. Um, we are slowly getting there, but we will okay. get there. Um, and and then once you once you get there, you know, there there will be that period of growth where where people are happier. But I think you know, medium to long term, a few reasons to be bullish on China. One is still you know their capital markets are are relatively earlier at the stage of development. They're a bit like Singapore, right? Where people buy property, they don't like buying stocks for whatever bloody reason. I still don't get it, but, you know, boomers must be boomers. Um, like, there's <laughs> cultural reasons for things like this, right? So, you know, if that shifts and, and there's broader local participation, that can that can replace foreign investor flows, right? So that's fine. Um, that, I think that's one. And two, the, the biggest one is really, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you talk about dem- demographics, that kind of stuff, it's still the world's second largest economy, right? They still have a billion plus mm. people that speak their own language that need to buy local. So whatever Absolutely. whatever thing that you want to sell into China, you still have kind of the second largest, if not the largest market in the world to sell into. And an economy, uh, sorry, and a population which is getting relatively richer and therefore relatively able to spend, right? Or more happy mm-hmm. to spend and, you know, have more disposable income and that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you are buying like Tencent, maybe not Alibaba, but if you're buying something like Tencent or if you are buying into like, you know, China retail, there is still a very big growth story there, right? Even ignoring their potential expansion into like Africa or Southeast Asia or anywhere in the yeah. world that's essentially yeah. not US yeah. and maybe not the EU, you know, there, there is already a very big market for them to win and capture. So why not? You know, and, and I think that that's really, and, and I guess maybe yeah, the last reason if we need to is really with geopolitics, you don't know who will win, right? And, and you don't know how things will end up. And I think increasingly, the, the view might be that, you know, if you're going to have two different supply chains, then that just means that there will be profit margins on two sides and you should be able to capture margins on both ends. Both Which also sides. means that if you can buy a Chinese company, it's fine. They just service the Chinese market, and you buy the com- the factory that has a that the company has a factory in Vietnam, and that supplies the rest of the world, right? Mm, so you know, absolutely. just having a Chinese company doesn't mean that it's good. That or just having a Chinese supply chain doesn't mean that it's good. It just means that there's different opportunities, and and that's and and from a portfolio perspective, you might not want to be heavily weighted only to the US side because then you are just kind of ignoring pretty much half the world or like a third yeah, of the world. The other superpower, right? Yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. Um and I think we've been I mean with, with China, this and that, we've been talking about it since what Forever. Half a year ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In since June, right? And and actually one year ago. You're right. Yeah. About one year ago. Um 
talking um, about it and, and looking at the ways into into the market. And I think even using China and and you know as a way to divest into it to just sort of figure out what's going on geopolitically and the fact that everybody's having their own supply chain where before, you know, used to be a lot more efficient. That could definitely be a way for us to, to make margins into both sides. Yeah. Agreed. But here comes the question. Yeah. How, how much into China? <sighs> That's always the difficult part, right? Mm. Um, I mean, I would think about this as maybe an increasingly lowly correlated asset class to US equities, right? So I think traditionally, you know, emerging market equities and Chinese equities and US equities have kind of had a strong correlation because what was yep. good for US was good for the world, right? And what was bad for US was bad for the world. Um, as the divergence or the de-risking continues, um, theoretically, the correlation between the markets should also decrease. And that means that, you know, there, there is a chance for there to be some sort of, you know, proper diversification between the US and, and, the e and China and therefore be able to get better research-adjusted returns, right? Because you have low, low or negative correlation, um, probably low rather than negative because they are all still equities, but you never know. Mm. So I, I think, and, and for that sort of allocation, fine. You, you might still think, and I do still think that longer term, US will outperform because that's what their capital markets are, right? Their capital markets are the way for their economy to outperform um, with all the financialization. Yeah. So you should still have large, you know, allocation to the US and, and that type of growth. But on the other hand, you know, you could have realistically 10, 20% to China and that wouldn't be bad. Got it. Got it. Okay. Oh. Awesome, man. Why are we giving away Jesus go. for the cause? Hey, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, See, this is just a tease of what you will learn in our course. So sign yeah. up. Yeah, D different <laughs> ways of thinking about the markets, right? Um, I mean, yes. it's a bit of aggravation, you know, but there, there's like real proper reasons for why you should do things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and thanks for taking us through that, Anthony. That was definitely enlightening. And, and Coconuts, hopefully, we managed to shed a little bit of light into into the US and, and, and the China market. And why should buy China? Well. I mean, okay, maybe not so much, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, and with that, thank you so much, Coconuts, for listening through. Uh, this was a little bit of a long one, but hopefully we were able to, to talk a little bit higher level in this sense, strategy, um, complaining about Netflix, and of course, ah, <laughs> should we go into China? <laughs> <laughs> we will see you all next week. Thank right, you again. See you. Bye. Oh, not me. I'm away next week, but yes, see you guys soon. Yes. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback, so share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks, and stay safe.